I'm going to ask you to turn with me in your Bibles to the next to the last chapter or book in the Bible, I should say, the book of Jude. Just one chapter to it. Covers a page and a half in my Bible, the book of Jude, the epistle of Jude. We're almost to the end of our journey. I don't mean heaven yet. I mean, I'm talking about something else. Um, We have been preaching through the Bible now for, um, uh, well, at least 65 weeks. Today would be 65, the 65th book in the Bible. On a Wednesday night, most of you know, we'll have a Bible study on a particular book. And then on the following Sunday, we share from that particular book of the Bible what we feel like Lord, the Lord would have for us that particular Sunday. And so today we've done that. We studied this Wednesday evening. And now to, uh, it's my joy to be able to share with you. And if I'm going to be honest, and I am going to be honest, I'm going to have to share with you the tone and the tenor of this next to the last book in the Bible. It's actually a book in Scripture. It's right before the book of Revelation. It's a book that sounds an alarm. It's a book that uh, gives us great warning about the days in which we live today. Now, quite frankly... I almost came to the decision that I was going to set off the fire alarm during the sermon. Just as an illustration. However, when we set off the fire alarm in this sermon, you just don't switch it off. It goes for a while before we can get it back off. And it's very alarming. Uh, Pardon the pun. Uh, And it's really not, it's not pleasant to hear it all. So I opted out of that, decided not to, maybe the Lord gave me wisdom. Maybe I'm just a coward. I don't know. But I decided not to do that. Uh, but, but seriously, this book of the Bible sounds a warning. This, and so when you leave today, especially if you're visiting, because you don't know me from Adam, you're going to think, great day. Man, if I got to go to that church and hear that every week, and this is that gloomy or that, that straight, I don't know if I can handle that. Some people don't want that. So uh, the, the tone, I'm just telling you, I'm going to be consistent with what the Bible teaches here. And we do shoot straight here. We believe the Bible. Amen. And we believe it's given to us for a reason. And we don't sidestep issues here. Uh, If the Bible talks about it, we talk about it. We deal with any subject that the Bible deals with. Uh, It's been given to us. It's inspired by God. The word of God is of extreme importance to us. So I just say that to let you know that some of the things I'm about to share with you, I'm doing it in the spirit and the tone and the tenor of what Jude has written We will read some of that in a few moments, but I would like to focus for just a moment on the title of the sermon, The Struggle is Real. How many have ever heard that phrase? It's a very popular phrase nowadays. People throw it around, you know, and really it's trivialized quite often because people get up in the morning and yawn and stretch and look back at the bed and say the struggle is real and they keep going. It's like this real struggle. Well, I'm not talking about those kinds of struggles today. I'm talking about some real struggles, struggles that have to do with life and death issues. And there's some struggles going on in our culture, amen, Amen. and in our world today. And we have to be aware of those things. Um, As It's interesting, we had the baby dedication, we talk about how Colton needs to be taught and trained and raised up to believe the Word of God and be taught. You can't believe the Word of God unless you're taught it. You don't know what the Bible says unless... 
somebody tells you or unless you read it for yourself. I'm quite frustrated, actually. I started to say amused. But I'm quite frustrated a lot of times when people who think they know something about the Bible start trying to to defend things that the Bible condemns. Uh, and they will tell me that, that the Bible really doesn't say that. And as soon as they make that statement, I know they haven't read the Bible. They're just parroting what somebody else has said. Because if you read the Bible, there's certain things that are, are just black and white. Amen? They're not debatable. They're not arguable. The Bible says what it says. So if you're going to be a Bible believer, you're going to have to believe these things. And in this church, we don't shy away from declaring those things. So with that background, I'm going to go ahead and share this with you today. You've seen this on the news recently. United States Army Captain Tim Brown currently serves in Fort Bragg, North Carolina. He's been on the news for the last couple of weeks. The first time I saw this appear on the evening news, I'll be honest with you, it, it, it nauseated me. It really did. Not just figuratively, but it really, really bothered me. When the announcer on the news said, gay army chaplain, and that got my attention. That should get all of our attention. Gay army chaplain? You mean in the United States Army we are allowing chaplains to take, who's supposed to take the word of God and bring comfort to families? We're allowing gay army captains? Chaplains in the army? Well, that was frustrating. But then a few minutes later when they told the story how that he was upset because his husband was being deported, that really got me. I mean, to say he and his husband in any context is contrary to Scripture, my friends. The Bible says, let a man leave his his, his mother and father and cleave to his wife. It didn't say let a man leave and cling to his husband. Amen? And the Bible gives directions. And if you think I'm um, pulling at straws and... And pulling something out of thin air and dealing with something here that the Bible doesn't speak about. We're going to see in this passage, in this book of the Bible, how God condemns, condemns sexual immorality and certain things. Amen? So we have no right. This pastor has no right to water down the Word of God. I have no right to change it. I have no right to to turn my vision off to certain passages of Scripture. We're living in a time when preachers and Christians need to have some backbone and stand up and say what God says and believe what God says, uh, even though you know there's going to be people who would disagree with it. The Lord didn't call us to be termites and hide in the wood. He called us to let our light shine openly and to declare the will and the word of God. So that's kind of about what Jude is telling us. There's going to come a day when people will not be doing that. It will be unpopular to do that. And so I'll say today, if you are um, offended at the news story about this gay army chaplain and and he's upset because his husband is being deported, they're trying to deport him, if that offends you, I would say, or if that doesn't offend you, I should say, you should be offended as a Christian. You should be offended by what's happening. 
And if you're offended that this pastor would stand here and talk about this, I'm going to say to you, you should not be offended by that. Because where are we going to hear the truth if God's pastors don't have the backbone to stand up and, and talk about it and explain it? So we're going to, we're just going to take the book like it's given to us and share a bit of it today. Um, another thing that I would like to share with you, um, a prominent news story now. We've, we've seen it a couple of different times. A young lady in Florida taking a college class. The professor who was an atheist began to belittle this young lady who was a Christian. She actually was a high school senior, but she was taking a college class like many are doing nowadays. And as she was taking, taking this class, the professor was um, insulting her, belittling her, making fun of her because she was a Christian. And he saw it as his um, job, I suppose, to convince her and and help her understand that there was no God. So throughout the course of her taking this college class, he several different times tried to embarrass her and belittle her and let her know that there was no God. And if you're going to pass my class, you're going to have to admit that. So as time went on, he gives her a zero on an exam, a zero. A few weeks later, he gives her another zero. A few weeks later, he gives her another zero for no other reason that she would, she refused to deny the existence of God. Came time for the, the class to be over. She was a great student. She was an AB student, had great grades all the way through school. And this professor gave her another zero and failed her for that class simply because she would not deny the existence of God in a university in Florida. Now, She and her family, thank the Lord, are standing up. They have some backbone and they're going to bring a lawsuit against this professor and it'll end up going to court. There again, people, Christians, Bible believers need to take a stand. So as we get to this book of the Bible today, um, I want us to begin looking um, at verse 3 to save time. And it's you know it's a little later than usual. I know it's a little later than usual. So I will cut this short, okay? So that we we aren't here until uh, 12 o'clock today. The scripture says in verse 3, Beloved, while I was very diligent to write to you concerning our common salvation. Let's stop right there. Common salvation, that phrase means the salvation that is available to all. Whether you're Jew or Gentile, rich or poor, black or white, speak English or don't speak English, it doesn't matter. Salvation is available to all. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. So it's a common salvation. But salvation involves more than just saying, Lord Jesus, please save me. I I know I'm a sinner. Please save me. I believe you died for me. I want to be a Christian. I accept you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, if you pray that prayer and you pray it from your heart and you really believe it and you mean it, the Lord will save you. Amen. If we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's the word of God. If you believe and ask him, he'll do it. However, once you've done that, you have to follow up with a life that has changed. Amen? You don't, you don't ask God to forgive you of your sins and, and you say, thank you, Jesus, I believe it. And then you turn right back and live in the same sins you just got forgiven of. 
That's, that's not what Christianity is about. Christianity is about a changed life. Behold, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. All things have, all things have become Absolutely. There's a change in your life when you come to Jesus Christ. You pray the prayer, you get saved, he saves you. Thank God your name is written in the Lamb's book of life, but he expects more from you than just a prayer. He expects that you grow and develop. You start out as a babe in Christ, but you don't stay a babe in Christ. You start out not knowing much about the Word, but then you learn more about the Word. And as you learn more about the Word, you change your behavior to match what the Bible says Jesus is like. Amen? We're transformed by the renewing of our minds. We are conformed into the image of the Son of God. I'm just talking all this from Scripture because it talks about how we as Christians are to be changed. We don't live like we used to live, talk like we used to talk, sometimes drink what we used to drink. Our lives have been changed. We are now a reflection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And if Jesus wouldn't do it, we won't do it. Amen? If the Bible talks about something as being sin, then we recognize that's something that is off limits to us. But but Jude was going to write. He was going to write about the common salvation. He was going to, I, I, I kind of read into that. He was going to talk about the good things of God. Don't you like to read about the good things of God? Maybe he was going to write something along the lines of the power of positive thinking. Don't you think it's a great thing to be positive? I do. I wish I was around more positive people. Don't you? You know, positive people will make you be positive. So I I like to be around positive people. I don't have anything against that. But I tell you what, you can be positive all day long. If you're not saved and living right, you won't make it to heaven. So although he was going to write to them about salvation, I think about the word gospel, which means good news. He was going to write to them about the good news. Uh, Somehow what he had on his heart and on his mind to write to these people, it, it was a good thing. The common salvation, the gospel, the good things. But then somehow or another, the Holy Spirit got a hold of his heart and changed his mind about what he was going to write. Because listen to what he says. Beloved, I was very diligent to write to you concerning our common salvation. But I found it necessary to write to you, exhorting you to contend earnestly for the faith which was once once for all delivered to the saints. In other words, he's saying to him, there's some things that you as a Christian are going to have to struggle. If you're going to stay true to the faith, it's going to be a struggle. I'm going to say that again. If you're going to be true to the New Testament, it's going to be a struggle. If you're going to live your life in a way that pleases God, it's going to be a struggle. It's going to be such a struggle, in fact, that if you take that word contend and go to a Bible concordance and look it up, it means struggle. And if you look up the word struggle and go back to a Bible concordance and look it up, it's going to mean struggle. It's interesting that there's a double word there. You're going to struggle, struggle for the faith. To be obedient to the Word of God, to know what the Word of God teaches, to know what the New Testament teaches, is not just going to fall into your lap and come easy to you in the culture in which we live. Because you live with people, and you go to work with people, and sometimes we have families, members, in our members of our own family, who may be guilty of some of the things I've already mentioned. 
We may have relatives, brothers and sisters, and other people that we love that fall into homosexual relationships. That's going to be talked about here. And, and marriages, men and, with men and women with men. Listen, I want to tell you right now, if army chaplain, the gay army chaplain, Tim Brown, and his husband were to walk in here on a Sunday morning, do you know what I would do? Most of you know what I would do, don't you? I would walk up to him. I'd introduce myself. I'd say, hi, I'm Pastor Ron. How are you doing? And he'd tell me who he was. I said, man, it's glad to see you. I'm just so good to see you today. Thank you for coming to church here and joining us at New Life today. I appreciate that so much. And I would go back and, and they would be just as welcome as anybody else is welcome. I would love to have them here. As a matter of fact, why don't you just give them a phone call for me and tell them, Pastor Ron invited him to New Life Church next Sunday. I wouldn't be bothered by that. Listen, we have to understand whether they're, they're prostitutes or whether they're living. It doesn't matter what sin they're living in. They're welcome in this church. Amen. But when they come to this church, they're going to hear the word of God, not a lukewarm, watered down message. They need to hear the truth. Amen. Now, that's what this book of the Bible is all about. It's, it, I don't know a book of the Bible that talks any straighter than this one. I mean, Jude is lit up. He was going to talk to them about good news and good stuff and encouraging things. And the Holy Spirit just gripped his heart and changed what he had on his mind. And he said, I was I was going to write to you about the common salvation, the good news. But I found it necessary to write to you, exhorting you to struggle and to struggle for the faith which was once for all delivered to the saints. Listen to this. For certain men have crept in unnoticed who long ago were marked out for this condemnation. Ungodly men who turn the grace of our God into lewdness and deny the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. And all across churches in America today, there are pastors, believe it or not, who are homosexuals and they're standing in front of a church preaching a false doctrine to people in their church who are homosexuals, giving them um, a false sense of security. And the Bible says that they have turned the doctrine of Christ into lewdness, the grace of God into lewdness. People don't need to be pampered. People need to hear the truth of the word of God. Amen. Listen, listen to that verse in light of what we've shared. These people turn the grace of our God into lewdness and deny the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, they would say they're not denying the Lord God. They would say they're not denying the Lord Jesus Christ. But when you, when you thumb your nose at God and when you deny something he has said is sin is not a sin and you're going to go your own way come hell or high water you have you have insulted God you have insulted the gospel you've chosen to go your own way and you have turned the grace of God into lewdness and wickedness and you've denied the Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ so he continues I want you to, I want to remind you he says He's going to give some biblical examples, and I'm not going to take much time here on these because of time. But he says, I want you to remember Egypt. Now, you knew about Egypt, and you you knew about the children of Israel. But I want to remind you of this, even though you've already known it. You've heard it before, and you know the story about the Israelites, right? How that they ended up in Egypt, 
And while they were there, they were afflicted by taskmasters and they were served under Egyptian bondage for 400 years. And God sent a man named Moses to deliver them from Egyptian bondage and bring them out. And there they were, the children of Israel brought out, the people of God brought out, the apple of God's eye brought out. But then there came a time when God told them things to do. And they doubted God and they complained against God and they rejected what God said do. Go into the promised land and take the land. They were unbelievers, the Bible said. And the scripture says that God sentenced them to wander 40 years in the wilderness while all of those aged 20 and up died in the wilderness. And so Jude says, now you knew about this, but I want to remind you that they were bought out of Egypt and they were God's people. But all of these people suffered this punishment at the hand of God. The Bible says they were, they were destroyed. They were destroyed. Those who did not believe were destroyed. And then it gives another example. And the angels who did not keep their proper domain, God left their own abode. He has reserved in everlasting chains under darkness for the, the judgment of that great day. God, listen, God created all God, well, first of all, God created all things, period, right? God created the angels too, period, right? He created all of them good. Everything that God created was good. But then there was a time one of those certain angels began to rise up. His name was Lucifer. We call him the devil, the Satan, the dragon in scripture today. And he began to rise up and he led a third of those uh, in a revolt against God. And they followed him. And that's what the Bible is talking about here. They left their place, their created place. What he, what he intended for them to do and be, they left that and abandoned that and followed after Lucifer. And boy, has that wreaked havoc in our world today. Still. The, the idea is they were right with God and then they left. The Egyptians were believers in God's people, but he punished them. And then the Bible gives this illustration in verse 7. As Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities around them in similar matter to these. Listen, having given themselves over to sexual immorality and gone after strange flesh are set forth as an example suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. I read somewhere last week, I can't remember exactly where it was, that all of us who believe what the Bible says about homosexuality and sodomy and same-sex marriage and all of that. Well, we're just a bunch of dummies. We're just ignorant. And, and this writer s- suggested that whoever teaches that and believes that just hasn't read the Bible. I got to tell you what, who hadn't read the Bible is them. Because this is as plain as the nose on your face. Sodom and Gomorrah. Gave themselves over to sexual immorality. They went after strange flesh. And they are set forth as an example. Suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. I'm going to jump all the way down to verse 14 as we get ready to come in for a landing here. Where the Bible says, Now Enoch the seventh from Adam prophesied about these men also saying. First of all, these men are the the people today who are doing these things in the last days. It's, It's the people who who associate themselves among Christians. And I think you all know that everybody who associates themselves with Christians, that doesn't make them Christians, right? Jesus said that he would do what to the lukewarm? 
Let me ask you that again. And let's, let's say it a little louder so I can hear you. Jesus said he would do what? To those who were lukewarm? Uh, do we believe that? The Bible says, Jesus said this in Matthew 7, Not everyone who says, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. And then Jesus said, many will say, Lord, Lord. Haven't we not done this and that and gone to church and done all these things? Haven't we done all that? And Jesus said to them, what? Depart from me. I never need you. Just because you associate with Christians doesn't make you a Christian. Because you go into a church on Sunday morning doesn't mean you're saved. Well, here's what Enoch, the seventh from Adam, verse 14, prophesied about these these days in which we live. Now, it's interesting. Let me give you a, a little guidance on when Enoch lived. He's the seventh from Adam. And when you do the math and follow what Scripture says, you'll find out that Adam and Enoch lived 300 years at the same time. Their lives overlapped. So that puts us way back. Am I right? Way back, the Lord revealed to Enoch this prophecy. Verse 14. Behold, the Lord comes with ten thousands of his saints to execute judgment on all, to convict all who are ungodly among them, Of all their ungodly deeds which they have committed in an ungodly way. And of all the harsh things which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. These are grumblers, complainers, walking according to their own lust. And they mouth great swelling words, flattering people to gain advantage. Telling them anything they want to hear. But you, beloved, remember the words which were spoken before by the prophets or the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. How that they told you there would be mockers in the last time who would walk according to their own ungodly lusts. These are sensual persons who cause divisions. Not having the what? Not having the spirit. Not having the spirit. And then, as we're closing now, musicians will come please. Then the next verse says, so what do you do? He's, he sounded an alarm. Oh, I wish that alarm would cut off when I wanted it to cut off. I'd, I'd turn that thing on. I guarantee you, you'd be alarmed. There's not a person in this building that, that would ignore it or could ignore it. You couldn't even put your hands over your ears. And get away from it. It's piercing. It is. The lights are flashing. And the high pierce. Just keeps going. Well that's the way that Jude. Wants this this verse of the scripture to do us. He wants it to get our attention. He wants us to know that this is important. He wants us to know that we need to know this so that we can do certain things to avoid falling prey to those who have that kind of doctrine or being a disseminator of those who preach that kind of doctrine. So he says, these people who do this, they're sensual persons who cause divisions not having the spirit. 
But then he speaks to those who really love salvation. He speaks to those who really are interested in pleasing God. In verse 20, he says, but you, notice them, we just described them, the ungodly, them. Now he says, but you, but you, beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ. Unto eternal life. I want to tell you there's some great advice there. For every Christian. Build yourselves up on your most holy faith. Listen. The Bible says. Faith comes by hearing. And hearing comes by the word of God. Right? Get into the word of God. Get your faith. Nothing will build your faith like reading the red in the Bible. The words of Jesus. What he said. Read the red and pray for the power somebody said. Build yourselves up on your most holy faith. And then praying in the Holy Spirit. Isn't it a wonderful thing that the Holy Spirit lives inside of us? He's with us today. They mentioned Pentecost a few moments ago. Prior to that, the Holy Spirit was not with mankind. Jesus was here. But Jesus says, I'm going to go away and when I go, I'll send you another comforter. One that will be with you forever. One that will be not just with you, but in you. He's talking about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit came in Acts 2 on the day of Pentecost. And he will transform our lives. If we walk in fellowship with him. So the Bible says, but you beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith. Praying in the Holy Spirit. You know, we need to pray every day. Do y'all know that? We ought to be praying people. My dad has a habit of asking my son over the years, even when he was little, he'd say, Nathan, what'd he say? What? Say it loud. He'd say, Nathan, are you a praying man? When he's 12, when he's 14, when he's 18, he probably asked him every now and then. Now, I don't know. He said, Nathan, are you a praying man? Now, I don't know if Nathan always told the truth or not, but he'd say, yes, sir, granddaddy, I'm a praying man. I believe he is now, but I don't know if he always was when he was saying that. But um, we're supposed to pray. We're supposed to build ourselves up on our most holy faith. Pray in the Holy Spirit. Keep yourselves in the love of God. And be looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ into eternal life. That is, we're going to have to have a relationship with God. Daily. Can everybody say daily? Daily. I'm going to come back and read the last two verses as we close this morning. But now I'd like for you to stand with me and sing this hymn that stresses the importance of what we've talked about this morning. In times like these
we sing it if you're here today and you don't know jesus as your lord and savior or maybe your relationship with him has been so sporadic and intermittent that that you can't even discern there's fellowship there but as we sing this last verse if you'd like to correct that i'd like for you to come and talk to the lord i'll be happy to pray with you if you need to accept the lord jesus as your savior and you don't know how to go about that I'll be here. Some of the other pastors in the building will be happy to join us. So you feel free to come if you'd like to receive the Lord. I'm, I'm a guy who loves to fish. And I love to take my boat down to the coast. And I remember the first time I ever took my boat out with my dad with me at the coast, we went into the intercoastal waterway. And we had one of the most aggravating, frustrating, frustrating days of fishing I've ever had in my life. Because I could not get my boat anchored. You remember that? Just good. Everywhere we went, I tried to drop an anchor. I did drop an anchor. I didn't have enough sense to know I needed a different kind of anchor for down there. But I mean, the water would just cause us to drift away. I dropped the anchor and we'd drift away. Finally, I had to wise up and go talk to somebody who knew what they were talking about and get a different kind of anchor. And now when I go to the coast and I drop that anchor and I do it like you're supposed to do it, it'll catch the bottom and hold. That's what we're talking about here. We don't want to live a life of frustration. If you're so frustrated in your walk with the Lord and it's going nowhere, I'll tell you, you just need to put anchor down in Jesus Christ. And you can begin that today. As we sing this last verse, if you'd like to come, you're welcome to do so. In times like these, I have a Savior.
Lord, would you take your word that's been shared today and speak it into our hearts and in our minds in such a way that, that it gets stuck there, where we can remember it, where you can bring to our remembrance some of the things we've heard this day. And help us, Lord, that we will be sensitive enough to you to hear your word and be touched by your spirit and drawn nearer to you. You can grant to us the grace and the strength that we need. You give us victory to be overcomers. You can break any addiction. You can forgive any sin. And you have the power, Lord, to change our wants and our desires so that we will walk in the path that you have chosen for us. So help us, we pray. We are needy today. We need a Savior. We need a Heavenly Father. We need you today. And we pray for your help and your guidance. In Jesus' name, amen. Before Brother Chris comes to pray the prayer of um, benediction here, I'd like for you to listen to these powerful two verses. This is the closing of Jude. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy, to God our Savior who alone is wise, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen. Amen. If you believe the word today, say thank God for the word. Amen. Amen. Bow your heads as we pray. Father, we thank you for this time today that you've brought us together, Lord, to worship your name and to hear your word. Lord, we're thankful for a pastor that preaches the word, Lord, as true as it is. And Father, I pray as we go our separate ways today, Father, that you would keep us all safe, Lord, and that you would let us share the good news, Lord, and the gospel, Lord, in these last days that others' lives might be changed. Keep us safe, Lord, until you bring us back at that next appointed hour. For we give you the glory, honor, and praise today. In your name we ask these things. Amen.